0: Welcome to the 902 Podcast, the official podcast of the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm Captain John Vick, and I want to thank you for tuning in. This podcast will give you an inside look at LSO with topics and guests to discuss public safety issues impacting Lancaster County. Be sure to subscribe for highlights on news cases and the people working for you at LSO. You can also follow us across social media by searching for at LSO Nebraska. That's at L S O Nebraska, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Welcome to the Nine Zero Two podcast, and today we have in studio Sheriff Terry Wagner. Hello, Sheriff. Good morning, Chief Deputy Ben Houchin. Morning, and I'm Captain John Vick. Uh, we have a very special guest with us. Jackie Rowan is here, and for a little bit of background on this, on February 25th, 2008. Jackie Rowan's life changed forever. On that evening, her 16-year-old daughter Erica died in a single-vehicle rollover accident on a gravel road. For a reason only, Erica knows she made a choice not to wear her seatbelt. And from this tragedy, Jackie has made it her life mission to get the word out that seatbelts save lives. So, Jackie, thank you so much for being with us on the Zoom line.
1: Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, It's um, an extremely important part of my life to see who I can save how I can save what I can do to help save
0: well we we certainly want to be at least another avenue to help you do that today and I, I want to give you and Chief Deputy Houchen just a chance to kind of talk about how how we got in touch with you so Ben how how did you and Jackie meet
2: well the Nebraska State Patrol had a press conference on on uh... Tuesday, May 15th to uh, do the kickoff for the click-it and ticket campaign. And so the sheriff wasn't going to be there, so I uh, was uh, volunteered to go out and do the press release. So,
0: volunteered, uh, I think. Volunteered, yeah. <laughs> so
2: I, out I went on that. And um, so there was other law enforcement agencies, Lincoln Police Department was out there and the Nebraska State Patrol. So uh, when also they had a guest uh, speaker, I would say for the, uh, press release. And that was Jackie. And that's the first time we ever met. Um, but, uh, I had the luxury of being the person who got to speak after her. And that was absolutely (laughs) no fun because, uh, that, that, that was a hard act to follow. So I told them that next year that will not happen to me. So, (laughs) uh, but, uh, that's how we ended up meeting. And, uh, I listened to her story, and it was so heartfelt, and uh, I just thought, you know what, this would be a perfect thing for our podcast to get this information out because it's really important.
0: Well, Jackie, we'll talk about your story uh, here in a few minutes, but before we do that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? What do you do?
1: Well, I, uh, I live in Lexington, uh, north of Lexington, out on a farm with my husband, Eric. Uh, we've been married 32 years now. Um, we have a grown son that lives in Iowa. Eric is a Sergeant with the Lexington police department and I sell insurance at shelter insurance and I like to run, uh, can't right now cause I just had scope surgery on Friday, but, uh, that is my greatest joy is running and my other greatest joy is advocating for my daughter. You know, I told my husband a long time ago, um, God is my foundation and Erica is my inspiration. And a counselor told me one time, uh, it's your job to give Erica a legacy. And I took that very seriously. And so I work daily to find ways to keep her out there, to keep her name out there, to keep her story out there. And not just because she was my child and she was beautiful, but the lessons that our community and our state can learn from her tragedy are monumental. And sometimes people, after they die, they slip off the radar. And uh, obviously she's never slipped off my radar and I have to make sure I continually put her back out there. So her lesson continues to move forward and her legacy and her beauty.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about Erica and who she was.
1: So Erica was a sophomore at COZET high and, uh, she was, you know, your atypical 16 year old, she loved to shop. Um, but she was really, 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 really close to me. Uh, we were extremely tight. Um, she was an advocate. She was a defender of the week passionate, passionate child, uh, very devoted to her God. Um, She wasn't perfect. I don't like to paint her as perfect. She wasn't, but um, she was mine. So to me, she was perfect. And, um, you know, she had a really, uh, you know, she's just like, I guess, every other teenager. She didn't think that anything bad could happen to her. I don't know how many times I heard, Mom, you need you just need to chill. And I would tell her, Erica, uh, you don't understand. I can't live without you. And and nothing bad is going to happen, Mom. Uh, okay. So, uh, you know, we are law enforcement. So, Eric had little spies out there looking at her all the time. <laughs> so, sometimes you thought maybe you had a little safety net because, you know, you'd get that proverbial phone call, uh, Erica is over here doing this. And so, then we'd call her and she'd say, Who's telling on me? And her dad would say, "Don't matter. Now you can come home." So you know we we thought we had we thought we had enough of a net on her that we could keep her safe. And um, like I said in my speech, don't ever think it can't happen to you because it can and it will.
0: Before we before we dive into that story specifically, I you know on on my sheet here I've got her her middle name Joy. And and when I when I heard a podcast that you'd done previously, you told the story about her middle name. How did how did that come about?
1: Her middle name is. Um, my dad would be so mad if I said this, but that was my dad's middle name, and his name was Alan Joy. So when I was pregnant with Erica, I had thrown a few names around to Eric, and he said. Well, you know, Joshua, you got a J name. So I think this one should be an E name. I said, well, we are not having an Eric Jr. And so uh, I threw out Evan for a boy and his middle name is Wayne. And I threw out Elizabeth or Erin for a girl. And he said, well, what's wrong with Erica? And I said, whatever. And then uh, I said, well, then it's going to be Erica Joy after my dad.
0: Very nice.
1: she was so proud of that name. That was just (laughs) everything she was. She really, and my license plate says run for joy.
0: Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That is. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm captain John Vick with the Lancaster County Sheriff's office. You may think a quick 10 minute drive doesn't require a seatbelt, but every trip in the car does. Keep everyone safe and always buckle up, Lancaster County. Click it or tick it. So that brings us to February 25th, 2008. Uh, It's just a little over 15 years ago now. But what what was Erica doing um, around that time? What what year was she in school?
1: She was a sophomore. Uh, We had just gotten back from Dare to Share. And uh, she was very, I was the youth leader at church and she was really, 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 uh it was amazing to watch her at church. It was like, she came to life. It was like, that was her place. Um And she just came alive and, you know, she was in catechism and she picked out her song and nobody else could have that song. And uh, so we, it was that, but that was her place. That was her biggest thing. She, but she loved football games. We love to go to the Cosette football games. She's in the pep club and I have a video of her singing, uh, and it's horrible, but it's funny. Uh, and, um, uh, there's just so many things about her. I can close my eyes and just, I can hear her laugh and I can, I can hear her sing. She was just so much fun.
0: So how, how did that day, how did that day unfold, um, for you? What, what, uh, what took place?
1: So it was really a normal day. I mean, you know, you get up, you go to work. Yeah. She always stood at the side on the count. She always leaned up against the counter and she had this little yellow bowl that she would eat out of and she would eat her cereal out of it. And we would, uh, talk about our day and what we were going to do and, um she went to school and i went to work eric went to work at five we got home we made spaghetti we had a young lady staying with us um that had been displaced and uh was a senior and her i was bound and determined that child was going to get to graduate with her school so we were she we had moved her in with us the day before on sunday and uh, a lot of people don't know this part of the story and um erica and her were really 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 super close so it was easy for me to tell my husband oh no she's staying here she's going to graduate from here and she's going to graduate from us and so they both went off to school they both came home from school we made supper spaghetti and at seven erica and molly came out of the bedroom and erica asked if her and molly joe could go dra- drag me for a couple hours and be home by nine and i said yes uh and gave him the stern evil mother eye and then i said do not leave the city limits wear your seatbelt and i love you and she said i love you most and it's what she always said and at some point she dropped Molly Jo back off because Molly Jo's room was an absolute nightmare disaster. And it needed to be, all her stuff needed to be put away. And I should have walked out. I should have walked out into that driveway. It's one of those shoulda couldas. And I didn't. And after that, it's like, I was studying to be an insurance agent. So I had put all my stuff away and went into the bathroom, was washing my face and Eric came in and said, honey, uh, there's, there's two girls at the door. And they said, Eric has been in a car wreck. I said, well, tell her to get her ass home. And he said, and he just stared at me and I said, so like a bad car wreck. And he said, I guess. So we went out the door and there's these two girls standing at the door. I still can't tell you to this day who they were. And they said, what are we supposed to do? And I said, well, I don't know. I've got to go find my daughter. And we got in the car with Molly Joe, and Eric called one of the officers that is friends with us and said, where's this accident at? We'll meet you there. And he said, no, meet us at the hospital. And I said, well, that's not good. And we went to the Cozad Hospital and Dr. Colm put us in a little room and he made us wait and wait and wait. And at one point, he came out and he said, the driver is awake, alert, and complaining of a headache. So it was Erica's car. So technically, in your head, you're saying, Erica's awake, alert, and complaining of a headache. And one of her friends was standing there and said, that means she's okay. And I said, well, when I touch her and I see her and I hold her, uh, then I'll know she's okay. And we waited. And if I hadn't even like realized that the hallway was filling with people, law enforcement, because that's who our family was. That was our village was law enforcement. And more and more of them were coming in, state patrolmen, deputies. And uh, I just kept pacing and Dr. Cole came out. And I knew he was looking for me. I knew he was. And I looked at him and he looked at me. And he said, Erica wasn't driving. I said, then where's my daughter? And he said, she didn't make it. She's gone. And then life was over. And the girl that was driving walked away. They didn't even take Erica to the hospital. They took her straight to the funeral home. I just I don't remember much after that. It's very fragmented after that. Somebody took me home. Somebody took Erica and I home. I don't know who drove. I got home in my house. My dog was gone. There was two pots of coffee, a whole bunch of chairs, and. I just can't even begin to tell you the fragments of the mirror after that because it just shattered. It just shattered. And I was non-functioning, completely non-functioning for a long, long time. My sister Pam told me it took probably five years before I said I remember. I cannot begin to tell you the devastation that this child's death left.
3: Oh, I, Oh You know, I just, I can't imagine anything as a parent. I just can't imagine anything worse happening than losing your child. And um, oh gosh, how, how difficult this must be for you.
1: That's the hardest part I think now, Terry, is so many people think it should be over. It should be done. It should be put away and I should be okay. You can't. I had a friend came up to me one day and she shook me by the shoulders, literally shook me by the shoulders and said, I want the old Jackie back. And I said, well, she died on February 25th. This is not a story for sympathy. This is a factual thing that a grieving parent endures every single day of their lives when their child is taken from them. And Erica's was completely uh it, it didn't have to happen. It did not have to happen. When she got out of that driver's seat, she obviously didn't put her seatbelt back on. So, you know, a lot of people got angry at the driver and Liz Waterman, who is county attorney and a really good friend of ours, searched high and low for a reason to uh, file charges against this girl. And Eric and I both told her, "That's, that's, that's not what Erica would want. She didn't go out and kill Erica intentionally. And Erica has to take her fair share of the blame here. She didn't put her seatbelt on. You have to do your part. Everybody has to do their part. And that's where it comes in don't think about yourself if you're not going to think about erica rowan then you think about jackie rowan you think about dad you think about all those friends they had to open the school up and bring in grief counselors i had they had kids in the lexington school system that were so unconsolable they they had to they had to take them out they had to take them home she just it was a wave of destruction And every child needs to understand that's what happens, not just my daughters, but everybody. When you die like that, and you don't do your part, you don't care, but you need to care about what you've left left behind. And it's, it's insurmountable. It will never be climbed. The mountain will never, ever be climbed for me. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how many experts tell me. I've had two doctors tell me. Well, you're only supposed to grieve a year. Well, mm. when you bury one of your children, you let me know that. Let me know how that goes for you.
0: So, Jackie, did you, in the, the weeks and months and now years that have followed, did you ever learn kind of a sequence of events of, of what what had taken place or, or why she wasn't the driver that night?
1: Uh, no. I just know that, you know, my husband law enforcement that he is he was just adamant that number one uh, our family not see the pictures uh, he was just adamant and um, they wouldn't let us see erica after she died so again there's no closure because i didn't even get to touch her hand i didn't i didn't get to do anything um, all i know is that at some point I don't know when, I don't know where. She picked up this other driver. I never asked, because after the fact, I decided it didn't matter. It wasn't gonna bring her back. Uh, the biggest the biggest thing was she had been told by her mom and dad several times not to let anybody else drive her car, and she knew to wear her seatbelt. These were things that were repetitive and were done on on a nor- an everyday basis. These are what you do, Erica. You don't do this. You don't do this. You don't do this. And so she knew and she didn't do it. And that's her fault. And a lot of people want to blame somebody else. I blame the no seatbelt for my daughter. And that's her fault. And, uh, and my heartbreak and my, and my misery and loss is because Erica didn't put her seatbelt on. Pure and simply.
2: Did she usually, did you know, did she wear her seatbelt? Did you have any reason to believe she never wouldn't be wearing it at any time?
1: You know, she was a huge seatbelt advocate. In fact, I got a personal Facebook message from a gentleman one one night. Didn't even know him. I can't find the message now. I should have saved it. Uh, it was from a dad in Coza that has three daughters. And he sent me a private Facebook message that said, You don't know me, but we know Erica. My daughters and I drove through runs regularly, and your daughter would be at the window. And she would always ask the girls if they had their seatbelts on. They nicknamed her the seatbelt girl. So needless to say, they were devastated when your child died in an accident with no seatbelt on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have no answers. You know and the gal and the guy that lived about a quarter of a mile down the road they saw it uh they saw he saw the accident the husband did and he ran in the house and said there's been an accident dial nine one one. grab blankets and a flashlight and she ran down the road and she said i was so scared i talked to her about seven months after erica died and she said i was so scared at what i was going to see and um, she said, don't ever let them tell you that she was ejected. She was not. She said, we broke the windshield out to get her out. And I told my husband that, and he said, then why did she die? I, I, and that just made him sadder. Because then it really didn't understand why she died, because she wasn't ejected. Um, and I asked her, if Erica ever had a pulse, and she said no. So they said she died instantly. That's what her death certificate says.
0: Well, although Erica died that night, uh, her, her legacy and her story certainly lives on uh, through you and your family and all the things that you've done since. So tell us a little bit about where things went from there and what what is Erica doing through you now?
1: So it wasn't very long after I was planning on going to Erica Joy and I were gonna to go to um what do they call it? It's out in Colorado. It's a run out there out in the mountains.
0: Is that the pike? Boulder Boulder.
1: Pike, okay, from Boulder, yeah. yeah. Erica and I were gonna to go to Boulder Boulder and she was gonna run it and she was gonna beat her mother. Ha ha ha. And uh, so that was gonna be in May and she died in February. So um like a team of people from Cozad. Uh, we all banded together and we all wore pink shirts and uh, I went and ran it anyway. Uh, it's the fastest I ever ran it, but it was on pure adrenaline. And then I ran it for six years after that. And, and I, beca- so Erica died on a Monday on Wednesday, my sister, by then all my family was home. I have four sisters and a brother. And my one sister is a, is a really big exercise freak. And, and so am I. And, on Wednesday morning, she had me out running and I never stopped and I became, that became part of my grieving process was running. So Erica died in February by September, which is her birthday month. Uh, we decided we were going to have a fun run. And so we started it out in Cozad for, for the first couple years and all the proceeds would go to driver's education. And we would pay for kids. They had to do essays, had to answer questions. They had to really, 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 really be serious about driving and what it means to get behind the wheel of a car and wearing your seatbelt. And we would give out so many scholarships. Whatever money we had gained, we would give out. And sometimes we just take money out of our own pocket. We did it for seven years. And the last year we gave out 54. Wow! And, um, it got to the point tragically after seven years, people forgot why we were doing it. They forgot the beautiful girl that was behind the scholarship. Erica get phone calls. Why wasn't my kid picked? Why wasn't my kid picked? And we had a gal here in town that used Erica in her campaign stuff when she was running for office. And Eric just said, that's it. We're done. So we um, got rid of our nonprofit and that's when I joined up with Tom Everson. And I've kind of been with him ever since. Uh, but I do so many more things than that that has to do with running or driver's education. I I had the angel of hope put it, up in carney and that's for grieving parents i had i've had three sets of angel wing well, angel butterfly wings painted for erica i had i give necklaces away at the hospital to moms to go home without their babies with a story about erica and a mother's love and i just find things that i know will personify her beauty and who she was and the touches of light that she would have wanted to leave. Wow.
0: Hey Lancaster County, seat belts, booster seats, and car seats are some of the most effective steps you can take to prevent injury and death in a crash. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates that seat belts reduce the risk of death amongst front seat occupants of passenger cars by 45 percent seat belts also reduce the risk of moderate to critical injury by 50 percent wear your belt every time every trip click it or ticket so when you go out and talk now jackie what's what's the main message that that you want to communicate to other other students and other parents
1: it's really interesting. Uh, I had I've had two in the last 6 months and they were so completely polar opposite. So I had the cross country team coach here in Lexington, Sam Jelka asked me to talk to his cross country team about a story or a reason or something that motivates you to want to do what you do. And so I told them Erica's story because that's that was my motivation to run. She was my reason to run. And so that was a unique kind of side to it because grieving, instead of drugs and alcohol, I picked running. And um, you have to have a story. You have to have a reason. You have to have a reason to want to do it and then the other one was the other side of the coin was like defensive driving saving lives uh, making sure that you do everything and it's not just seat belts, it's distracted driving it's there's so many things that are involved now and accidents are catastrophic and uh, there's so many things that go into the reason that we're having so many accidents but Mine is seatbelts. And so I've, most of mine is just so that they understand that this is something that doesn't go away. You know, you guys can turn the TV off and Erica Joy is no longer in your head and she's gone. And that's past tense, but not for us. We wake up every single day without our daughter, every day. And I think everybody else needs to wake up every day with her because men, maybe you'll put your seatbelt on. Then maybe you'll try. Then maybe you'll think about the people that love you. That's what this is about.
0: Well, I think you're exactly right, uh, and and we do wish I think that people woke up and thought about those things when they're when they're getting in their cars, when they're driving down the road, um, when they're doing all of the things that that those of us do day in day out without putting a lot of thought to it. You know, that's a big part of the reason that we're we're part of the Click It or Ticket initiative and some of the stats that NHTSA just put out last year, that's the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, even though they found there were 92% seatbelt rate usage in 2022 among young adults, which they, they rate as 18 to 34 uh, that were killed. So amongst that group of of folks that were killed, 59% were unbuckled. And that's, that's just a number that's too high. And we we just are really trying to do everything that we can to change it. So um, I think stories like yours, Jackie, are, are just very compelling so that people can see that, that human side of it's not just the, it's not just the, the crash and it's not just the immediate aftermath of that. I mean, it's, it's years of that shattered mirror, like you described from just a simple decision of, of whether or not to wear your seatbelt. So I think that's so important for our listeners to hear.
2: I have a very new driver, um, my Ellian and uh, she drives she's got a school permit. And this has been the most stressful time of my life is when <laughs> she's driving and, and going and taking her. And uh, thankfully, I have a, a 12-year-old who is more than willing to tattle if something goes awry. <laughs> but um, I, I have, you know, they, they text me when they leave. They text me when they they get there. And uh, yeah, it's, it is a huge, huge worry. And uh, I think the only good thing is, is this generation now that's coming up and starting to drive, it's become really routine to wear that seatbelt. Because I've never had to say anything to to them, you know, about that. Because they just they've always just gotten in the car and clicked it and uh, done that part. So, but um, yeah, it's a, a it's a it's a big worry, and it doesn't. It certainly it's, she's been driving six months, and it hasn't gotten any easier yet. So, yes.
1: It's the, you know, it was my biggest worry, and, um, uh, you know, you, you tell yourself, I prayed for the, my children every day. I prayed for them every night when I went to bed, and I thanked God every night when I got home and they were safe. And then one night I couldn't do that anymore. And a lot of people, you know, I, I just can't even, uh, there are no words to even explain what this does to a human being. And I'm not saying a mother is different. I'm not saying mine is the worst grief ever. I think it is. I mean, I've asked, I have, I have flat asked my, my counselor, how can a heart keep beating when it feels this bad? Physically, physically feels this bad. How does it keep beating? And uh, he said, it doesn't beat for you, Jackie. It beats for the people who love you. There's nothing, that's, there's nothing that will stop a mother's heart faster than when their child's heart stops. And nobody will ever understand that unless they've lived it. Yeah. And you don't ever want to live it.
3: You know, Jackie, back uh, I, when I really worked for a living before I was elected sheriff, I was an accident investigator, and um, we had, when the graduated driver's license uh, was passed in the legislature for for young drivers, um, I, I worked with the uh, health department here putting on driver's programs for young drivers, and it was called Safe Travel on Gravel, Teens on the Road, Safe Travel on Gravel. And, um, you know, that's one of the things we, we stressed over and over again, because I'd done some statistical studies about single vehicle crashes on gravel roads. And the majority of them are of young people under 21 years of age. And it's a lot of, it's an experience on gravel. Um, uh, and if you compound that inexperience with not wearing a seat belt and then, then obviously, you know, and you've hit the nail on the head, it's a, it's a decision that was made not to wear the seat belt that, that resulted in the tragedy. And, uh, as difficult as that is to say and, and here that's, that's the truth. And, um, uh, I hope that people can take away from your message that seatbelts are the number one thing they can do to prevent injury and death in a traffic crash.
2: Yeah, like it's what, 45% more likely to survive if uh, you're wearing your seatbelt?
1: Right. And when people say seatbelts don't always save lives, I always tell them, no, I'm not guaranteeing you that you're going to live through it, but your chances go up 45% if you just put it on.
3: Yep. And I hope you will have look- a
1: better chance to surviving if you stay inside the vehicle than if you're going to go through the windshield.
3: Well, but even yeah. getting bounced around in a car that's rolling. No, right? That's, that's what Erica died. That's exactly right and though the you know, the occupant kinematics of all that is is uh, pretty dramatic in a rollover crash.
1: And I don't know how you know, you you hear so many stories through the years People told me she uh, ended up in the driver's seat, laying on the driver, people. And finally, you just have to stop listening because as a mom, as the mom, I can't go back there anymore because every time I do and the story changes, it's like I have to redo it all again. And it's, it's more than my system can handle anymore. I can't do it anymore. She's gone. Uh, I go visit a grave every week, every day. It used to be every day. At least I've gotten past that. Uh, I just tell people. If you have your children, you have everything. If you have your children, you have everything. And if you don't think you do, you come along for a ride with me to the Kearney Cemetery and we'll have a chat. Mm -hmm. I can give her now its flowers.
0: Well, Jackie, I think the thing that we'll just never know is is how many lives have been saved by hearing Erica's story and, and by hearing your story. And so I think the work that you're doing now is is just so important. We appreciate you um, coming on with us today and, and being a part of getting that message out. And it's certainly something that we're, we're committed to here at the Sheriff's Office in Lincoln. Uh, but thank you so much uh, for your time today. Any other thoughts before we wrap up?
1: Well, gosh, I don't know. Um, my thoughts are if you if you want and if you can, go. It's like the gal that saw Erica when she found her. She said she had nightmares for like seven months. So I sent her a stack of pictures of Erica when she was silly and when she was happy, and when she was beautiful. And I told her to look at those and see who Erica really was. And I would... I would, um, encourage people to Google my daughter's name and look at her and see that she was real. She was real and she was beautiful and she was so alive and I want everybody else to be able to stay alive. It's all about staying alive, doing the right thing.
3: Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, I think there was a reason we
2: met Jackie and, uh, I'm glad we did, and I'm glad you are very willing to come on here and do this. And I I greatly appreciate it because us law enforcement officers can say whatever we want about wearing seat belts. You hit home with your story, and I want to thank you so much.
1: Well, I will do it for anybody at any time. I will tell her story forever until people stop listening.
0: That's all the time that we have for today's episode of the 902 podcast. As you're listening to Erica's story, we hope that you'll join us in remembering that seatbelts do save lives. Lancaster County Sheriff's Office is taking part in this year's initiative with the Click It or Ticket campaign. And if we don't see you on one of our traffic checkpoints, we hope that you will be wearing your seatbelt if one of our deputies contacts you during one of our saturation patrols. This is all done in an effort to drive home the message that seatbelts do save lives, and we want all of you to reach your destination safely. Please be sure to follow the 902 podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. You can also connect with us on social media via Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube by searching for at LSO Nebraska. Lastly, be sure to send us an email if you have comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes by reaching us at lso at lancaster.ne.gov. Thanks for listening. If you want a
3: challenging career, a career where you can make a difference in your life, your family's life, and the lives of those in your community, come and join the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office. To learn more or to apply, visit us online at www.joinlso.com.